0: Take your Bibles and turn to Romans 5.18. And we want to read the one scripture, and then we will be making reference to other scriptures uh, here in uh, Romans 4 and Romans 5. Romans 5.18, would you stand for the reading of the word? You feel good today? Praise God. Had a horrible trip home. Just terrible. My plane flight was canceled, and I had to spend the night in Chicago Friday night. And it was just so hot, you know, and everything. And I got home yesterday, and just had a terrible, terrible, terrible uh, day Friday. But uh, feel good, <clears throat> feel good in my soul. Praise God. I don't. In fact, I don't really even know what I'm going to preach on, <clears throat> but I know I'm going to preach on this scripture. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> Wherefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. And you may be seated. Praise God. You know, it's, I, I, I really mean it when I, I say this. You know, it is just so good to be associated with so many believers from around the world. I checked in the airport in, in Jackson, and I, I there, are, there are times in which I don't pay enough attention of what's happening. I, I can actually go into a restaurant, talk to the to the waitress, even joke around with her, and and, and want to call her the table, and and don't even know who to call. Sister Grant said, "How you've been talking to her? How can you do this?" And I said, "I don't know. I just." I just don't know. I walked up to the counter and Jackson, and so there's a young lady. She's a, she's a nice young lady, an attractive young lady, pleasant. She's just doing this ticket thing and all of this. And then when she finished, she smiled real big, and she says, Well, Brother Grant, I sure hope you have a good flight back. And I, 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 I looked at her, and she said, You seem startled. You are Brother Grant. Aren't you the day speaker out of camp? And I said... <coughs> Well yeah. She said, Well, I've been out there listening to you every day. I thought so. <laughs> I said, Well, I am so sorry about this. Then she then she takes my luggage over and puts it down and the door opens. There's an, an office behind it, and there's a girl and I said, Oh, Brother Granny, how are you? you know. <clears throat> so I asked her, I said, Who uh, who is uh, The young lady, she said, oh, she's been out there, too. She told me who who she was. But uh, I'll tell you what, it is so good to be associated with Bible believers. It, It really is. And, you know, God put us all together into this because of his blood. Because of his blood. I want to talk about justification of life. Now, the word justified is found in Romans 4. And five, and justification is found. Uh, but in this particular scripture, in verse eighteen, it talks about justification of life. Now, <clears throat> justification, as we normally think of justification, we think of of a legal or logical reason for. Uh, th- that's basically what we think about. In other words, uh, my plane flight was 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 canceled, and. What was taking place at the counter when it was canceled was, is there justification for this? In other words, is there legal reason or logical reason? Well, they said it's too hot, the plane won't, we can't get the engines to turn over. You know, sometimes you wonder, you know, if they get them to turn over, if you ought to fly. <laughs> you know, I said I said in the airport in, in Phoenix, Sister Grant and I, and they pumped... Pure oxygen into that jet for two or three hours while we sat there it was 114 degrees, and, and and then all of a sudden, oh yep, she's turning over. They started and they said, okay, get on board now, let's go. <coughs> you know, I didn't know if I wanted to get on board. <coughs> so when we think of, we think of justification, uh, you know, if there isn't proper justification, what happens is that uh, then a person's judgment be- becomes a matter of question. And you know, uh, as a parent, you take action. Uh, you you discipline children, but 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 you know full well that that uh, there is a point in which discipline becomes too much. This is what we call abuse. Sometimes it's not abuse, but perhaps it's just too much for the for the situation. Uh, example: Let's say if I if I wanted to kill a sparrow, you know, I I could probably take my pellet gun and shoot the sparrow, or or you know, I I, I I might be able you know to get a hold of some dynamite. And, you know, you, you wouldn't need the air force to come out you know and bomb to to, to to kill the sparrow because there'd be no justification you know in that. In other words, you're going you're going way beyond. But now justification in the scripture actually means something quite different. It really means quite different. It, it simply means that uh, <clears throat> it took the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it took His life uh, to justify or to give us reason for existence. Now you may say you thought I thought it meant something a little different. Well, coming into play with that is a definition we find in Scripture over and over and over. That is the context of the Scripture when you read the scripture you find this it it talks about justification by faith justification unto life justification by the blood justification by grace and when it talks of this it means that the Lord made us just as if so the emphasis is placed off of the act uh, and placed on the subject and that would be you and I that we are where we are because the Lord made us just as if Uh, we had never sinned now, it simply means he took our sins away and made us just as if we never sinned. Now Romans 5, and I will read uh, I, I will read uh, a few scriptures in the first part of the chapter. Let's go to verse 10. I have my study Bible here instead of my regular Bible, so I get a little lost in the study Bible when I, when I try to speak using it. Uh, it, it is amazing, you know, if you use the same Bible all the time to read and to preach from, how much you remember the very page that, that a scripture is, is found. There are scriptures, in, and I, I only know what, what book they're in, but I in my Bible I can find them just like that. Sister Grant brought me this Bible. It's a nice Bible. But honestly, I, I feel real clumsy every time I use it. But I wanted to use it this morning j- just because of some of the notes that are found in it, which I will will be making reference to. I think they're just so very, very uh, beautiful. Now, let's read uh, Romans 5 verse 9. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. Now, I've preached a lot on the blood. I enjoy preaching about the blood. It's been a while since I put together a Bible study in which I just, you know, talked about the blood. I I don't know of any subject that I would rather talk about than the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's, There's several subjects in the Bible that I rarely like to, to link into almost every message. I like talking talk about grace. I like to talk about faith. I like to talk about the blood. I like to talk about the gospel. Usually on Sunday morning, I give a Bible study in which I talk about the gospel. I have like 1,001 ways to preach the gospel. Because I, I am a lot of times preaching the gospel to people who, who really don't have an understanding of what the gospel is. Uh just, just last week, I, I talked about, uh, on Sunday morning, I talked about the gospel. And and what it takes to be saved. And you, and you know, seriously, and I, I made reference to this, there, there are just a lot of churches in which the gospel is not stressed. I mean, you hear the word gospel. But, but you know, you can hear the word gospel, and you can hear it all your life and really never know what it means. And, and this is the reason why that I feel that, that, that I must explain the gospel. And, and I was moved on uh, by, I think, the Lord when, when I w- just sat on a panel with a good number of men. When I was in La Crosse at Viterbo College, which is a Catholic college, and, and they wanted to bring in ministers from all denominations, to ask questions when we got in there. The question was asked, what, do you, what does it take to be saved? Out of all the preachers there, other than myself, there was only one man that, that gave an answer. You know what most of them said? Well, let's see now. And and basically when they had said a few things, they, they really hadn't said anything. It was like I I never really thought of that. You know, like well, our children are confirmed at a certain age. We go to catechism. You know, and and, and you know, it would be like like Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost, really stirring up everybody. And, and then, then the men, men and women stand up and say, what do we need to do to be saved? And Peter just says, ah, uh, I don't have the slightest idea. Just never thought of that. Well, see, the apostles didn't operate that way. They knew. They, they gave definite, uh, you know, definitive answers right there. They were decisive. They knew what it took to be saved, and they knew that it, that that God and a man did not work out his his own uh, individual plan. In other words, you can't go to God and say, "Well, Lord, I, you know I'm kind of special to you, and you're special to me, so we'll work out our own little contract." And it didn't work that way. Some country western singer several years ago wrote a song entitled "Me and Jesus Have Our Own Thing Going." Now, you and Jesus may have your own thing going, but I'm here to tell you when it comes to salvation, that, that is not the case. That what is required of one is required of all. And, and this is something that's very important. So I want I want to talk about the blood uh, just for a moment, and then, then we'll get into justification. That is just the subject of justification. But in, in verse 10, you will notice in Romans 5, the word... Reconciled is mentioned. We hear a lot about reconciliation. Usually, it has to do with a marriage that's been bad. To reconcile means to simply bring back together. You know, to to create some kind of a a cohesiveness where you know a couple can can stay together and 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 and, and love each other. And, and I'll tell you what, man, I don't think I have ever in all the days of my I've heard such strange things are going on in marriages. You know, couples even living together, not talking to each other for years. i heard a lot of that stuff. I said, how can you live with someone and never talk? So said, well, it's simple. It's easier not to talk than it is to talk. I've been told that. So said, why? Why is it easier not to? Well, because we always end up getting in a fight. You know, I've come to this conclusion. You know, the reason why there's so many marriages are bad today, because most people just simply don't know how to get along with anybody. <clears throat> I mean, we're that's that's the kind of society we're producing. They just don't know how to get along. They really don't. I love my wife dearly. My, my the big disappointment, you know, going to Mississippi is that I couldn't get her to go with me. I mean, I I just tried everything in the world. You know, I thought, well, if I could just get sick and maybe she'd drive me down there, you know. You know just, uh, she got sick instead, brother. That was sad. She was sick all last week. But I just I couldn't I just couldn't get her Do you know how lonely it is when you're you know you you I mean you got all this banquets and everything, but all of a sudden then then bye Brother Grant. We'll see you tomorrow. And I leave, you know, I just walk away like feeling sorry for myself, you know, you know. I told Sister Grant one time, listen, I said, if you ever leave me, I'm going with you. <laughs> I'm gonna go with you. Well I I I just I I would have a I mean I would really have a tough time, a tough time. Well see, what we have to understand is that that mankind in his relationship with his God was, was, was in a very difficult and precarious, dangerous situation. A dangerous situation. The world could not exist any longer without a Redeemer. Jesus Christ, when, when the Bible says the fullness of time was come, it's not just making reference to, all oh, when the clock ticked down. Jesus Christ came. And and that, that thought may be incorporated into that, but there's more to it than that. That simply means when all of the conditions of the world had ripened to the point that the judgments of God was to rest upon man because God could no longer tolerate his iniquity, guess what happened? Jesus Christ came into the world. And he came into the world for one purpose, and that is to bring man back to God to reconcile into his god to create a friendship with his god to create a partnership now <clears throat> you, you see there are certain things about there's certain things about life that that we need to understand that 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 life as we know it on this planet earth now has incorporated has, incorporated into life has has been a curse it came upon Adam and Eve because of their iniquity, and it has been passed from generation to generation. That simply means that all of us live, and even though the Lord took away the curse of sin, the world has not been fully redeemed. In other words, there's still thorns and thistles, and and, and then then going to the spiritual side, there's still trials and suffering and sorrow. It, it, it's here, um, and and if you will if you will look. At, at, at chapter 5, Paul talks about this. If, if, you, will, if you will look, uh, let's just start reading chapter 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom? Also, we have access by faith into his grace. Wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Now, <clears throat> I want to talk about that glory and tribulations, but I want to go back to, to what, I was, what I was originally addressing, and that is this business of reconciliation. You know, we still live in this sin-cursed world. But just because you're a Christian does not exempt you from the problems and troubles and trials that, that basically belong to the human race. You know, when, when the when the airplane the when the flight was canceled in Chicago, they they didn't say, Now we want to cancel this flight, but do we have any Christians here? And I raised my hand and said, Oh, I'm a Christian. Okay, you're exempt from this. We will fly you, but we'll fly nobody else. Huh. You know what happened? Huh. I didn't fly along with them. You know, it's amazing when people find out you're a Christian. I mean, there was one lady was so mad. She was so irate. you talking about, I'm telling you, she really got irate. And so they got us to Hilton Hotel nearby, and we had to walk over there. And on the way, I mean, this lady. She was using four-letter words. I mean, terrible words. So, said, oh, I can't believe this. And would you believe all of a sudden, now all the people around there, she never asked this to anyone. She looked at me. Well, And this is what she said. She said, do you live in Madison? And I said, yes. She said, what do you do for a living? <laughs> I mean, it was really amazing. <clears throat> I felt so good. And just squaring my shoulder, I said... Uh, Miss, I am a pastor of a church. It was just like she wilted. <laughs> I'm serious with you. So when, when she, she checked in her, her hotel and she was up there and you could tell she just, oh. And I checked in ahead. I was in the line ahead of her. I went by. I just kind of patted her on the shoulder and I, I whispered to her and I said, Now don't let all this get the best of you. Don't punish yourself like this. I mean, you can't do anything about it. They gave us a voucher for a nice meal. Just have a nice meal and have a good evening. Well, what else can you do? <laughs> I mean, you have to look to the different side of this thing? I mean, what can you do? Well, the next morning when I arrived at the gate, of all the people that was, that was there, this lady was over reading a book or a magazine. Newspaper it was. She had it up like this. And she put that newspaper down and she saw me. And guess what she did? She literally dropped that newspaper and she just waved. You know, like, <clears throat> you know, thanks for the tip, you know. <laughs> really, it was just amazing. But but, but you see, we, we all have our troubles. We all have our trials. Now, the Bible says <clears throat> that the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world to reconcile us. Now the word atonement is used in 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 verse 11. Now I want to just call your attention to the, to this word atonement. In the Old Testament the word atonement appears some 50, 52 times I think. Now you may check it out and I may be wrong because it's been 52 years since I looked that up. <coughs> Not quite. <laughs> it's been a long, long time. But as well as I remember it, it, it appears about in, in the 50's. That many times in the Old Testament the word atonement. Literally means to cover. It's first found back all the way back in Genesis 6. And, and it, 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 what it's doing there, it's making reference to the building of the ark. It says, pitch the tent within and pitch the tent without. In other words, seal it. Cover it. Atone it. Later on, that same thought was incorporated into uh, the life of an individual who had sinned. And of course, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So when God looked down upon man. Because of his iniquity. They took the blood of animals. And the Bible says this blood. Atoned or it covered their sin. So when the Lord looked at a man. If a sacrifice had been had been given. On the behalf of the individual. Or on the behalf of the nation of Israel. Which they had national sacrifices as well. Then when God looked upon them. They were covered. Now. <clears throat> to my knowledge, this is the only place in the New Testament this word appears. Atonement, and, and it is really taken from a Greek word—the same Greek word that reconciliation is taken from, or reconcile is taken from—in verse ten. And here it does not mean atonement like the Old Testament atonement. The truth of the matter is, and I don't want to—I don't want to scare anybody half to death. And we have any any highly educated religious philosophers or theologians here. I just want you to listen to me before you pass judgment. The New Testament does not teach atonement. It is not a doctrine in the New Testament. And the reason why it isn't a doctrine in the New Testament is because there is something more beautiful than atonement found in the New Testament. And see Paul explains this in the book of Hebrews. He said it is impossible For the blood of bulls and goats, and etc., to take away the sin of man. In other words, man's sin was covered, and it was covered by the blood collected from sacrifices. But there came a day when the fullness of time was come that that God looked down upon the human race and said, "Uh, I'm going to have to do something because of their iniquity. And when Jesus Christ came to the world, He shed His blood, not to cover, not to atone, but to take away. See, the blood of bulls and goats could not take it away, but the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ took our sins away. And and this is what John the Baptist says: "Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world." Now you'll 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 hear preaching about atonement, and you'll you'll hear songs about atonement when you. When you hear that word, it is basically used to explain exactly what I'm explaining here. That Jesus Christ took our sins away. But in the purest uh, of the context, uh, uh, there's something more beautiful than atonement in the New Testament. And that is the removal of sin. And God justified us. Whoop, I'm tearing everything up. I didn't know that thing was so little. Can you hear that? Oh, <laughs> boy! This electronic stuff. <clears throat> but, but, but the Lord justified us, made us just as if we had never sinned. Now, the reason why I when I I, I speak of justification by life, justification of life is is sometimes we think that we were justified when we gave our heart and our life to the Lord. In other words, it's kind of a one-shot thing. That's not really true. Justification of life means a constant, continual occurring act. It takes place as we walk with God on a daily basis. And as we lean upon Him and depend upon Him. And as His blood is constantly applied to our life. Now, I talked about the gospel. The gospel is explained in 1 Corinthians 15. There's no better, no better place. I, I can find in the scripture in which, which it is explained. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which ye have received and wherein ye stand. In other words, you receive the gospel, but you don't only receive the gospel, you stay in the gospel. You stand in it. And I think that's, that's so beautiful because we talk about, oh, well, I receive the gospel. And the mindset of a lot of people is that I receive the gospel. In other words, what I need to do is to be, uh, I need to repent of my sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, be filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and do you need to do that? Oh, yes. But see, that's not the end. That's the start. It's called the new birth. While a death does occur, it occurs to the old man of sin... It occurs simply because that, that we have to be born again. We just simply have to be born again. So justification is taught in the scripture, but but quite honestly, I, I think people think that justification is kind of a, a one-shot thing. It, it happened when, when I was born again, and, and he may be just as if, and... And that's it. No, it's a continual act. As Paul said, we stand in the gospel. Now he goes on to say, by which ye have received, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So he's, he explains the gospel, to death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord. Now when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost what people need to do to be saved, he said, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, <clears throat> I have known of situations, in fact someone told me not long ago, uh, they, were, they were talking about some preacher, and I said, well, can you just answer me? What, is he, what does he basically believe? Well, I don't know. He's such a good man, but, but you know, I've heard him preach many times, but I, I'm not really for sure what he believes. I mean, how can you keep quiet what it takes for people to be saved? I mean, how can you be quiet about that? Uh Really, I, I, I'm just, I'm just wondering about this. How can, how can you be quiet about that? You see, Paul says <clears throat> that that Jesus Christ paid the debt of sin for us, and in, in Romans five, verse six and eight, <clears throat> let's read this: For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. At the camp last week in in Mississippi, the blood mobile came out. They do this every year. And uh, they came out and they set a goal of 36 pints of, of blood to be given. Now, if you give blood, what they, they tell you, that you and your immediate family, you're assured if you give blood at the, at the camp that within a 12-month period, if you have any, any reason, you or your immediate family for blood, that blood will be given through, I think, the Red Cross. I'm not for sure what uh, agency. But through, that blood will be given without charge. So they were, and they set a goal of 36 units. Now Thursday, I heard them state they needed six more units. They'd already received 30. Now next year, they said because of the overwhelming number of people, that you know they 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 actually, I don't like to use the word interview, but they they check they, they check out four or five times more people. You know, if you've been taking medication, or whatever they you you can't give blood and. So, you know a person can go in I want to get blood and it doesn't mean you're going to give blood see because the blood has to be pure and and, and I think that that is that is that is so very very important uh, <clears throat> what if what if you knew that you needed blood to live and and there was no blood available what if you knew you needed blood to live and there was none pure enough I remember last year when we were called out the hospital, Brother Manley, uh, myself, we went down to the hospital. Uh, Shelley Harris's dad was in the hospital, the VA hospital. You, you remember this. All the blood that was available in Dane County they gave to him that night and I said we, we, he was in surgery. How, how long Shelley? about nine hours was it? Ten and a half hours. They gave him 52 units of blood. And they said, now look, if this doesn't work, the doctor came out there and we said, well, look, we've been praying. He, had, he told us, well, you keep praying because he does not have a chance. If, if God doesn't come down and do something, there he won't make it. The doctor went ten and a half hours without a break. He said, I am totally exhausted. Someone said, How did you, why did you do that? He said, I didn't have a choice. It was a life or death matter. You can't stop. But but what if in, in in Tom Harris's case, what if all the blood came in was contaminated blood? You know we had a situation like that, in uh, not only in Wisconsin, but the, the two first reported cases of AIDS that that came about as a result of blood transfusions uh, were right here in Wisconsin at the UW Hospital. They had not checked. I happened to go down and pray for one of the ladies. Her husband told me, said, you know, she came in, she had surgery. It was quite quite a serious surgery, but when the surgery was performed and blood was given, guess what? She was in worse shape after the surgery than before the surgery because they had given her contaminated blood. This is what John was talking about when he talked about Jesus Christ being worthy to open and loose the, the seals of the book and, and, and pass judgment upon the human race. John says, I wept because no man was worthy to do this. Why Jesus Christ? Because he lived a sin-free life. His blood was never contaminated. Out of his mouth never came anything that was was vile. He was pure, and he came into this world, and the Bible says that he bled and died and suffered. But, but what if you sent out a, an SOS, so to speak, uh, uh, you know, you were in the hospital, you needed blood. Maybe you needed a certain type of blood or, or situation, and you know that there is, there is blood. There, there's got to be some blood someplace that somebody can give that will save my life. And yet, was no blood. And you knew that, that literally thousands of people before you had died as a result of not finding the blood. But all of a sudden, one person stepped forth. There was a man that I worked with in Texas. He had such a rare blood type. And he would occasionally go down and take blood or give blood. I say, Give. <laughs> I'm amazed. I forget what they paid him for this. It was a big, big fee. Because he had this very rare type of blood. But you see, when Jesus Christ came upon the scene, you know what he did? He said, I will shed blood, not just for that person that is making this cry right now, but I will appropriate enough blood, not only for him, but for everybody else in the world. And not only will that blood take away. The sin of that person. But it will take away the sin of all of them. Plus all sins that they commit after. And how many times have we had to go back. Time in and time again. Again. And say, Lord, I have done wrong. And I need to be justified in your presence. Justified in your presence. It's not just a one-shot thing that takes place at the altar when you're born again. But over and over and over we have to go back. Now I want to talk about this glorying and tribulation, see. Because I I think this is... See, Paul lists tribulations as one of the blessings of our salvation. Isn't that something? Now, maybe you never thought of that. (laughs) But that's what he does. He lists tribulations as one of the blessings of our salvation. Now, the word tribulation refers to all types of trials that come and press upon us. This includes such things as financial and physical needs... Trying circumstances, pressure of sorrow, sicknesses, persecution, mistreatment, and loneliness. (laughs) I made mention of that. I had to throw that in. Now isn't it amazing that he says, but we glory in tribulation. Now notice what he says, knowing that tribulation worketh patience... You ever need patience? I can tell you, there will be enough circumstances. Now, Charlie's got this little thing. He said, oh, I'm not going to pray for patience. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is, whether Charlie does or does not pray for patience, there will be situations that will demand they will come. Now, you don't have to be patient. See? You may say, glory Is there a blessing in tribulation? Tribulation is the blessing of our salvation. Now you may say, why? Because tribulation to the person who has the proper view, the proper knowledge of God and life, tribulation will drive him closer to God, not further away from it. Now... I'm going to be the first to admit that I stand here with a very low score. And I think that's true of some of you. Now, some of you, that's not... We have some people in our church that are just great. Every time they have a trial, you talk about digging in deeper and deeper and closer and closer. And some people are are just so sweet and kind. But that's not true of all of us. You know, a scale of 1 to 10... How do you accept trial? How do you accept persecution? How do you accept? You know, and and I I know about where I think I stand. It's a long ways from ten. I'd like to say I could score a ten. But truthfully, I I just want to be honest. I'm not anywhere near there. See. So, we have to understand, see, that tribulation then... If we draw closer to the Lord, tribulation then is that, that that happens that that causes the world to be in such a a frenzy all the time about things like the lady using the bad language, fighting my way. You got to defend your own rights. You know, you got to stand up for what's right. You wait till I write this letter to these people and tell them how. How I feel. Well, you know you know what's going to happen when letters go to this airline telling you, unless they're written with in a good spirit? I'm not going to say that you never have reason to criticize. You know what those people are going to do? They say, oh, this is some kind of a jerk. Yeah. It's like getting an anonymous letter. Somebody asked me. I just got an anonymous letter this past week. It had nothing to do with the operation of our church, but the overall work of the Lord. And It's in an anonymous letter. What do you do? I don't read them. Now, someone in Mississippi called my attention to it. I said, I didn't read it. I said, I don't pay any attention. If a person's not bold enough and big enough to tell me what their problem is and tell me who they are and what their gripe is, I'm going to spend time with them. Now, I get some telephone calls every now and then. People want to, you know, Pastor, i I got a problem. I want you to pass judgment on it. A lot of marital problems. I will not counsel people over the telephone. I will tell them, if you will not give me your name... The only thing that I will counsel with you over the telephone is, I will tell you what you must do to be saved. If you call me and you won't tell me your name, that's all right. But the only information you're going to get out of me, I'm going to tell you what you have to do to be saved. Outside of that, give me your name, tell me what your problem is. Well, I can't face up to it. You're not in a position to help yourself. You see, what happens with tribulation, that tribulation, if it drives us closer to God, then tribulation is designed to set us free. Not free of tribulation, but free from the bondage that comes from tribulation. Did you know tribulation can put you in bondage? I mean, you can be sick. And and I'm not saying that that the Lord doesn't heal. But there's a whole lot of us that are sick and people have prayed for us, including myself, and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And there are times when I'm having problems with, with arthritis and I want prayer, but I, I just I just hate to even ask. Because people have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Now, there's, there's, there's a couple of things that I can do. One is, I can get down about it. I start blaming God. So oh, God, never hears my prayers. He doesn't care. Why did this happen to me?" You no, know, you hear this all the time. Why me, oh Lord? Why me? And you can you can get into all this line of logic. After a while, you know, you feel like <clears throat> the tribulation is an isolated situation. Feel oh my, God doesn't love me. God doesn't. and you get down about it, and then somebody come along and, and you ask them how, how you feel. Oh, did you have to ask? <laughs> you, you follow what I'm saying? But but others, you know, I, I made up my mind. I I can't. Separate and apart from divine healing, I've had three doctors look at my ankle. They said, we can't do anything. What are you going to do? I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing. I have to pace myself. I have to watch what I lift. I'm only supposed to lift 25 pounds. No more than that. Sometimes I have to. I can lift as much as, well, I wouldn't say as much as anyone here, but because we got some mighty strong men here, but I can lift my share, and it doesn't hurt. But two or three minutes later, my foot is so sore I can't even walk on it. So... But I've determined, you know, I might as well just be happy about life. You know? Because, you see, when I get to feeling sorry for myself, and I get to feeling like, well, nobody else here has arthritis in their feet like I have in mine. I should just be fortunate I have a foot I can walk on. So, <clears throat> all of these things come. There's, 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 there's trying circumstances. There's, there's pressures of sorrow, sickness, persecution. I even mentioned loneliness. Now, tribulation can set us free of that bondage if we are driven closer to the Lord. Let me explain something. You remember back in the Old Testament, you remember the story of the three Hebrew, Hebrew children... How many of you remember that story? A lot of you here. So, and I know that it's getting late. So I will not go to the to the story in the Bible, but you check it out. They wanted these three Hebrew children to bow down. You talking about pressure. They would not bow to the music. They were going to pray to their God. The decree had been been set forth that that, that they bow down. Now they they took and bound those three uh, people. They bound them with ropes. And they were were standing outside the fire. We're going to cast them in the fiery furnace. So we're going to cast them in. Did you know that they made the fire ten times hotter than what it normally is? Even those those people who were casting them in, the servants that were cast, guess what happened to them? They were killed. Now, it, 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 it stands to reason... That if the people that were casting them in were killed, unless they were, they pushed them way down, where they when they got started, they couldn't stop. I, I doubt very seriously that anybody could have got them in a fire like that. But you see, whether they were in the fire or outside of the fire, they were still bound. And the only thing that was affected by the fire was guess what? The ropes were burned off. That was the only thing affected. And and there is a lesson to learn in this. When Paul says, we glory in tribulation. If tribulation drives us closer to God. Instead of further away. In other words, we have a relationship. An abiding relationship. A relationship where we are constantly justified unto life. That with every tribulation, with every trouble, with every trial, with every sickness if we would gravitate toward God and keep the right attitude, the only thing that would be affected by that tribulation is that our ropes will be burned off. The Bible says they didn't even have the smell of smoke on them when they got out of that fire. And not only that, my friend, did not we cast three men bound into the fire? I see four loosed and walking around. And the fourth one... Looks like the Son of God. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. And you see, so this is what Paul's talking about. He said, we glory in tribulation, that one of the benefits of salvation is tribulation. You say, oh. So it doesn't make any difference whether you give your heart to God or not. It's just that through salvation, because tribulation comes, we draw closer to God. Anything that would seek to destroy your relationship with God, I'll assure you that if you set your face toward the Lord, there will be outstretched arms. Praise God, praise God. God. And, And basically the thing that will be affected will be that God... Will set you free in tribulation. Now let me let me read the story. If you if you don't believe that freedom comes, listen to this. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Did you know an impatient person is a miserable creature? You may say, how do you know? <laughs> Need you ask? <laughs> And patience, experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not a shame. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. We're talking about justification of life. Praise God. Now I'm not going to say jump up and say, Lord, I'm going to walk out of this door lay something heavy on me. (laughs) The heavy will come. Whether you pray about it or not, then you may say, Lord, don't lay. Well, it's going to come anyway. I'm here to tell you. Right. <clears throat> so you don't have to worry about it. If, if it's not heavy today, just, just rejoice. Right. That's not heavy. If it's heavy tomorrow, guess what? Rejoice anyway. Right. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Because in this world, the Bible says, we have tribulation. Right. Right. Praise God. I'd like for you to stand with me. Praise God. I feel such a victory in the Lord today. Aren't you glad for what Jesus Christ did? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, praise God. That's it. Let's give him another big hand. Come on. All over the building. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, praise praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I feel great faith and great victory here in the house of God today. Oh, glory. Justification, just as if. In other words, he takes away the condemnation from our life. And Paul is concluding this subject in chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but after the Spirit. Praise God. I believe that we have some people here today who would like to just renew Renew their strength in the Lord. And if that be your case, I'm going to ask you to step out and just come and stand around the front. We have people all over the building be delighted to come and pray. If you're going through some big trial, Sister Puckett, I want you to come down here. Sister Puckett's having a hard time even walking. Oh, God bless her. Sister Carla, step out with her. Sister Valerie, step out with her. Come on. Sister Peggy, come over here and step out with her. She's just having a hard time even walking. Praise God. Oh, God can minister to you today, Sister Puckett. Jesus. Hallelujah. My Jesus, Lord. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. My Lord and my Savior. Do we have somebody else to step out along with Sister Puckett and come? And say, Brother Grant, I need, I need prayer. I need the strength of the Lord. I need to abide continually with His blood. I need justification. Come on, step out right now. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, praise God. Now as these people come, I'd like for others to step out and just come with them. That's it. Just step right <clears> out. <throat> Step out come and pray with someone. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. And then we, we want our ministers and elders to come. And we're going to give them oil. And we want them to go and anoint these people and pray for these people. Tis so sweet to trust in That's it. Just oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. To take <inaudible> just to rest <inaudible> upon his promise. That's it, here we go. Just yes. to know <inaudible> the same Come on, there's still room for you to come. Come and give your heart to God. If you're heavy laden with sin, Jesus Christ can take that sin away today. He wants to do this.